Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast episode 240 for October 18th, 2017. Today's guests are Beethoven. And I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. As such, I have some pretty diverse tastes in things. So on this podcast, you could hear guests ranging from activists to musicians to pastors to authors, whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for a little over 12 years years. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron. Leave a voicemail at 347-460-1753 or email mikeypod at gmail.com. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And if you don't know what that means, send me an email and ask me. Check out the colorful buttons on the right sidebar of the blog post at MikeyPod.com, and there are lots of options there to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Uh, also, you can uh, just search for me in Apple Podcasts or any any podcatcher. I'm listed everywhere, so um, listen, won't you? Yay! Hi! Here we go. <laughs> uh, I, I want to check in. Uh, I, the main thing that I'm thinking about lately is this podcast. And it's crossed my mind because part of my work uh, as an artist is really focusing in on being a uh, uh, combining activism and creativity. I wonder, I've been thinking just recently about the type of uh, interviews I get most excited about. And those are with activists or with people who are doing the same thing. And, and since it's becoming like my thing, I'm thinking about narrowing the focus of this podcast and making it officially about artists who do activism as part of their art. What do you think about that? Do you like the sort of, I mean, it's free form, but it's not to me because I just like people that I find interesting and inspiring. I invite, and I invite on the show, but I think, you know, I, I feel like there's some potential here for this podcast to sort of uh, take it up a notch. And part of that, what would help, I think, would be to focus uh, the topic. What do you think? I also love this sort of thing, too, of, uh, of, of being transparent about the process of what's happening with this podcast, because over the past 12 years, it's been a lot of things. Um, but I would like to step it up a notch. So um, what do you think of that? I, I would really, really love to hear your feedback on that. Uh, that's, that's it. Uh, I have some shows coming up tonight. If you're listening to this, uh, this, this has two release dates, this podcast, it's really going up today, October 16th, uh, for my patrons on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Um, and it goes out to the public on another today, <laughs> October 18th, 2017. And that's just for the public. Uh, I, um, yeah. So tonight, being October 18th, I have a show with Cabaret for a Cause uh, at the Metropolitan Room in New York City. This is always a fun show, and we have a ton of singers. Um, <laughs> I get it's sort of interesting. Uh, let me know if you hear this day of and you want to come. Uh, let me know. I might be able to get you in, but honestly, it's probably sold out by now <laughs> by the time you hear this. I should have told you last week. Uh, Monday, September 18th at 9 p.m. So you've got plenty of time to get ready. It's at the Metropolitan Room in New York City. Uh, the hosts are MasterChef Junior finalists, and they're kids from Broadway shows like Matilda, Fun Home, Billy Elliot, Evita, School of Rock, Tuck Everlasting, Les Miserables. Uh, these are kids who have been on Broadway, and I'm playing the piano for all of them, and they're singing, and we're raising money for this organization called Story Shifters, which uh, 
takes like a teaching artists uh, to to communities of kids who have learning differences to help them create musicals. So it's all awesomeness, all fantastic, and you should come. And next time, I promise to tell you a little bit sooner. Also coming up, the Compassion Arts Festival, uh, which I'll be performing at um, material from the Animal Show. I'll be performing some material from my first show, Tentative Armor, and some brand new stuff that I'm writing as, well, not as we speak, but currently writing uh, at least one, perhaps two new pieces uh, will be performed that night, too, by my all-vegan string quartet might all be playing piano and electronics as always some vocals and um, discussing the process and trajectory of my work and how I got to uh, combine creativity and activism and advocacy and all that kind of stuff. I keep having these surreal moments when I'm talking about having a piece, uh, doing a presentation about quote my work just a few years ago. I didn't have any work. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to, forever for pretty much my entire life I wanted to make this kind of work and it was just maybe five four or five years ago that I stopped being afraid and started doing it so are you thinking of doing something like that too please do it the world needs to have this stuff like I thought ah uh, there's a precise moment when I did the first reading of tentative armor which is my first solo show at uh, Judson Memorial Church it was a thing where they just offer space to artists, a beautiful thing that's part of their uh, mission as a church. And I was doing these pieces I had written in my bedroom. I had a director, but I was too embarrassed and felt too weird to ask him to actually direct me. So no one had really heard any of this work. And so I was doing these things. I was like, is this even good? Like what's happening? And there was one second in this performance where I said a funny thing. I didn't really realize it was that funny. And the audience flipped out and they were laughing. And I was like, oh my God, this is good. So that was a cool feeling. Um, And I'd love for other people to have that feeling too. So your creative thing, your uh, thing you wanted to, like something that feels scary, but you've wanted to do it forever. Do it and let me know. Tell me, tell me that you did it. Tell me that you want to do it and let me know how I can help you because it's pretty cool to, to do that stuff. Anyway, I digress. Compassion Arts Festival, October 22nd. Um, and there's an interesting point about this too. Oh my God, I'm wearing my glasses and doing that with headphones on is oh, love hate with these glasses. They look really cute, but they're, they hurt my face. Hurt is probably putting it strongly. I'm digressing again. Compassion Arts Festival, New York City, October 22nd. Uh, it's all actually that entire weekend, but my bit of it will be uh, October 22nd at 1.45 p.m. Um, the thing that's interesting, I have this all-vegan string quartet. Um, I, I, the, this is, uh, the show is benefiting uh, the, the uh, Culture and Animals Foundation. Uh, so I'm just, I'm performing just, I'm not being paid. Um, but I am paying the string players. And, and that was one of those, like, oh, I want to have a string quartet. And I don't, it's, I don't, I have a thing. I don't like asking performers to perform for free. Um, so I, I wanted to pay them like something. And I would thought to myself, oh yes, I have patrons on Patreon and that's why that money exists. So I have a string quartet that's fully funded by my patrons on patreon.com. 
uh, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. That is a fantastic feeling. It really, like, I have enough patrons there now, so it's paying their uh, stipend. I'm paying them a piddly amount of money, 100 bucks each, so that's $400. Uh, but just coming right out of pocket would be a lot of money. Um, and I always have to pay for, uh, like, a car service to take me and my equipment to the theater. Um, you know, I, I just feel like I'm being paid for that thing that I was volunteering to do because I now have these patrons who believe in my work. So how cool, like, that's uh, <laughs> super cool. Um, also that day, uh, with our hen house, our henhouse.org, that's another podcast that I produce. Uh, I'm on the staff of, uh, we are doing a live radio show of a, of a, a radio show called sanctuary. Uh, there will be all of us that evening, same evening. I'm doing my music in the afternoon. So come to that entire day. It's going to be great. Come to the whole weekend. I'm going to be there the entire weekend. There are amazing artists uh, and talking about this thing that I love and I'm so excited about um, doing art as advocacy. Um, It's a really cool thing. Anyway, so that's that. The Animal Show, I'm rewriting a lot of this new stuff I'm going to be doing uh, uh, at the Culture Animals Compassion Arts Festival. I'll be is being written for this new version of the animal show. And I'm doing it again in New York city, November 8th and 9th at Dixon place. And then the following week on November 16th in Philadelphia at the rotunda, which is a space. I, uh, I have never been in there. It looks beautiful. Uh, so I'm excited more cities and I'm going to start taking it other places like Syracuse, Albany, uh, Denver. I'm just figuring this stuff out. I, I'm, I'm my own booking agent, um, my own agent agent, my own manager. So it's, it's a lot, but how invigorating. Yes. If you like this always free podcast or the many other things I create, tell a friend, leave a review, Apple store, any place, like, subscribe, all of the things. And especially I'd love your support at patreon.com slash Michael Heron where you can get access to all kinds of cool stuff in exchange for as little as a dollar a month. I'd love to connect with you there, and I'd love your help in covering the expenses for this free podcast and the other content I create everywhere. Sincerely, like as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about that I've, I have this dream of being able to just create work and perform. And <laughs> that Patreon thing, like especially right now, after I had a big push to get the tour going, um, it, it's close to being a reality like i can do this show without being stressed out about like oh i'm losing money i'm spending money to do this show um why would i do that there's always a question it's always been a question of like why do i have this push this passion to do a thing that costs money and like slows down my life um while um exploding my spirit um and so having patrons makes that possible. So those of you that are listening to this who are patrons, um, thank you. With the most sincerity, it's amazing that you're participating. I asked a lot of people to subscribe for two months just to get me through the tour, and almost everyone stayed. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get verklempt if I keep talking about it. So thank you. With the most sincerity, people who support this work that I do, it, it's it doesn't go unnoticed. So, uh, did I mention, thank you enough about me and all of that stuff. Today's guests are Beethoven. It's two of the members of bear, uh, sorry, Beethoven. Um, it's a musical trio and mm, I think I'll just tell you to listen and, uh, 
yeah, this track is from their album. The track is called Grizzly. And after this, we'll have the interview. Thank you. 
was Grizzly from Beethoven, and two-thirds of Beethoven are here with me today. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Thanks. Um, maybe introductions? Yeah, I'm Matt Evans. I play percussion. And I'm Carl Larson. I'm the pianist. And missing is bass player Pat Swoboda. Pat, who has a show at BAM tonight. Yeah. You know, I feel so, like, well-rehearsed now that... that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um... What is the history of you guys? How did how did you come together? Did you know each other first before you started? Um, yeah, so we we all met at the Bang on a Can Summer Institute, which is this great thing where every, a bunch of young musicians interested in contemporary music go, and we spend a month, a little less than a month, at Mass Mocha in the Berkshires. And it's just a great way to kind of meet people that are... Uh, like-minded sorts, I think. So we all met there. I mean, geez, I don't even, it's been like five or six years since we all kind of first interacted. Mm-hmm. Um, Beethoven didn't really become a thing until it, it took a little while to occur to us that we should play together. You know, we were friends and had all played with one another, maybe like in different larger groups. Um, yeah. But I guess it was, it was 2014. Is that right? That so. we that we decided to to or maybe twenty thirteen. Yeah, might have kind of the the idea maybe have would have been planted all the yeah. way back then. Yeah. But um, and it kind of started. You know, the part of the reason that we put this group together. You know, the main reason is that we just you know like each other as musicians and people and thought that it would be a good. Uh, fun thing to do, you know? Yeah. Um, but another thing that we really thought was interesting about our specific instrumentation is that there's not a lot of repertoire for it. So in the early, you know, months of the group, you know, we only had the pieces that were being written for us. So it started out with these really just like a handful of pieces and kind of grew yeah. from there. And then those, were, were those pieces that the pieces that went to make this album or did you reach out to these composers specifically for the album yeah well some of these like the first three or the first the first few pieces that we made or had written for us uh are on the record yeah i guess like mm-hmm. Fiola's piece and brooks's piece were definitely the first those are the first two first sure. two pieces what are the titles of those i don't so I that's that composer yeah piece yet. brooks is undertoed okay and uh Fiola's piece is called shoaling oh, okay yeah so those, I, I crammed on the way here. Like I was like, oh, I should read about these composers too. It's a little bit yeah, of a blur. They're all fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, we were just all you know, we knew each other through through New York and through the music scene, and and we actually were playing on their recitals. I think we were yeah. The, the first, first the first show was Brooks's graduate recital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah, cool. So it was. It started off in a in a very very small way. Um, just tiny, tiny little concerts, and we'd kind of play whatever pieces were being written for us, and that was kind of the deal. Like, if you wrote for Beethoven, we're going to play your music, and we would play, you know, little recitals here or there around Brooklyn, or there was a great um, there was a great warehouse space in Red Hook that we used to play in that is unfortunately no more, but Matt used to run a great series there that was kind of like, I don't know, monthly or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, very like informal. We play a lot of informal shows and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that is cool. So there were three pieces already existing, and then did you decide to build an album around those pieces and recruit the other composers? Um, they all kind of. So the, there was a lot of space between those first pieces, 
and when the record kind of came to fruition. And between that time, I mean, right now, I think if you count pieces that have been written for us when we do college visits and things like that, there's over 30 pieces that a composer has sit, sat down and written for Beethoven. And some of them are much more serious and complete or whole than others. Yeah. But um, we, it kind of, we got to the point where we thought, okay, we have enough music here where we know that we have, like, these pieces are really good. There's not, uh, there's no I'm sorry piece on the record. <laughs> That's always I don't a good think. sign. You know, so it's not like we commissioned six pieces and then yeah. recorded them. We built up a pretty big repertoire and then uh, picked our, our, I would say that it's both, most of my favorites are on there, but also the ones that we thought about how they were going to fit together oh, got as it. a whole. Yeah, they do all work well together and I mean partly because there's a big percussive aspect to the trio but mm -hmm. everything really feels percussive like even the the more subdued pieces have like a was that intentional was that yeah I mean I think that like maybe not in a percussive way uh, specifically but I think that what we were trying to do was take the kinds of pieces that were being written for us which kind of ended up on two sides of the spectrum yeah. and try to like marry those together in a way that was like a, like a, a thesis statement on like what we can do mm -hmm. so there's there's a, there's some of the more like kind of post minimal pieces that are a little more rhythmic and, mm -hmm. and and percussive in one way and then there's kind of the other pieces that are maybe more percussive in a more abstract textural way yeah, so yeah. I guess there is kind of like you know especially for Carl and I both of our instruments are uh -huh, yeah. you know almost Impossible. Like we can't get away from their percussive nature. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think there's there's different ways of, of how that's manifested. Yeah. yeah. And also, what you might be picking up on uh, is that I think I always like to describe Beethoven like the instrumentation is kind of the invitation, and it's also the sort of thing that ties everything together. So mm -hmm. we can have these very very different pieces, but it's still you know when you listen to her, if you come see us, you know you're gonna see percussion bass and piano which is pretty familiar mm -hmm. you know so that's it's kind of the timbres that tie things together and it's when we commission we always just talk to composers and say like hey this is what we have apply yourself to it rather uh -huh. than being like this is the kind of music we want you to write it's basically just giving them a palette and saying oh yeah go you know yeah and at this point like the people that we work the closest with are people that we've either reached out to on our own or have have had a strong relationship with or build a strong relationship with. So we're working with people that we trust. Right. And so that ability to ask someone to just apply their uh, language to our instrumentation is very like comfortable because we, c we, we trust that they will do something uh, that will represent both of us really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got it. Um, we, we listened to it a while ago, but we should talk about it a little bit, uh, the, the song Grizzly. Yeah. Um, talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, so yeah, Grizzly is by Ken Thompson, who is um. It, he does so so many different things. He's the clarinetist, saxophonist for the Bang on a Can All Stars. Um, he has a couple of different jazz groups that he plays in and writes music for. Maybe the best known one is Gut Bucket. Which also, Pat Swoboda, our bassist, who's not here right now, is a member of Gut Bucket okay. also. And I've recorded a record of Ken's music for cello and piano and solo piano. And um, 
he's just kind of everywhere and in a lot of different styles, a lot of different facets. He's around. A couple of years ago, Gut Bucket had a residency at the Stone, mm-hmm. and we played a night on that show, so he wrote Grizzly for that. And um, There's an email somewhere where Ken was like, I must have been in a good mood when I wrote that piece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, believe it or not, his music is, tends to be a lot more brutal or yeah. jagged than that piece. There's there's some consonants, consonants in there that maybe you wouldn't often associate with Ken. Yeah. But there is... I think the thing that is the most Ken Thompson-esque about that piece is Pat's part, the bass part. It's an upright bass, and he's playing almost off the fingerboard the entire time. It's just a brutally impossible feat. It's kind of... Um, it, it's, it's asking for trouble to write that, and Ken yeah. knew that. And his music is always kind of pushing you to this breaking point. And I think uh, that there's a part of him that's interested in what is the performer going to do when they reach that point and like how is that going to affect the music and like what is that going to create mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of where he's that really kind of aggressive um, challenging element of Ken's music kind of rears its head in that mm-hmm. piece even though a lot of it is just kind of this groovy you know a lot of people have I get. I hear a lot of like Steve Reich or things like that when people hear the beginning of that piece because it's just the yeah. piano and the mallets going to town. Yeah. But after a while, you realize there's this kind of relentlessness to the pace of the whole thing, especially the bass so part. Relentless. is just like going all to the very end, it's just kind of like, <laughs> as you all heard. Yeah. And if you didn't catch it, you can always rewind a little bit and listen yeah. to it again. Yeah. So that's it's not a violin. It's a bass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I should listen to it. Well, obviously, I will listen to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, Simple Machine is the song we're going to listen to next. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll listen to it and then we can talk about it. Okay. Great. All right, this is Simple Machine.
That was Simple Machine from Beethoven, and I haven't even mentioned the name of the album. It's called Trios. My room, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, right. So, go buy it. Uh, so, couple of questions. <laughs> what like the meter in that song feels like so crazy fucked up in a really great way? What is happening? I couldn't figure it out. It's all over the map. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of like Brendan's language. So that the piece is by Brendan Randall Myers, who's another close friend of ours, uh, and. Yeah, he plays in a bunch of different projects. He's a, you know, gigging new music guitarist and yeah. plays in a band called Maritech and has a group called Invisible Anatomy. He's also just kind of a tour de force in, yeah. in the new music world. But his language tends to be this kind of like polyrhythmic, metrically modulating kind of unexpected uh, uh, world. And so, yeah, Simple Machine is a... Uh, is is a is a journey. <laughs> yeah, it's a real journey. Yeah, but it takes me like I've only listened to it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It feels like it keeps coming back to the same sort of hard to uh, describe places. But then then there's a familiarity with this crazy like oh here's that other thing is hard to like land into mm-hmm. but in a really exciting way yeah he's oh, yeah. kind of pulling you around <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm like uh, what's it like to work on a piece like as a trio of musicians working on this like crazy rhythmic uh, that, complex I mean, piece i think that's probably one of the more challenging rhythmic pieces that we have it's one of the most challenging pieces i think we've got in in a in a kind of like right or wrong way. There's a, we've had pieces that are like, wow, we need to really spend some time and figure out what to do and like how to make this, like shape this and all that, you know, that all that like extra musical, or maybe not extra musical, maybe that's like the nitty gritty musical thing. But when, when you're talking about like notes and rhythms and like play it right, this is probably the hardest one, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, putting it together was challenging, but I think that we all, cut our teeth so much on music that does similar things mm-hmm. to this, like the Bang Out of Can whole scene, you yeah. know, like playing music by somebody like Michael Gordon or Steve Reich or, or all of these people that kind of like to play rhythm games like that. It's not a completely foreign language to us. <coughs> um, the trickiest part for me was playing it with that synth part that keeps going because yeah. there's, there's all these metric modulations that happen throughout the piece where, but that synth will keep going. 
So you kind of have to adjust in your brain where that's actually playing. Like, is it mm-hmm. on the beat? Is it a weird triplet feel? Like, what's going on? That was that was tricky. Was that played or sequenced the the synth line or? It's gone through a couple of different yeah. iterations. I yeah. think at the very beginning it was played, and then and then we ended by up Pat. yeah by Pat. Pat would play the synth and also be like tapping notes on yeah. his bass. It was insane. It was really crazy. <laughs> That's what, sort of what I was imagining was, for some reason. It was like really insane. <laughs> and then we kind of got into a version that was sequenced and mm-hmm. programmed, and we were able to play along with it that way, uh, which kind of gave us all a little bit more facility. Uh, in our own parts and just like connecting with it and it kind of being this like nucleus in between the three of us yeah as we're kind of spinning around it and yeah yeah so it's it's existed in a couple different forms yeah this one feels the best to me yeah I think emotionally yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I, I think another funny thing maybe to mention about Brendan is that like he's he's a like a like a frequent distance runner Okay, and and I feel like I've had a lot of conversations with him about that, and I think that somehow that is also in his music and in his work. This kind of this uh. the way that 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 he takes you on this on this thing, and how how things continue to change, and and you just follow this this path that's uh, not endless, but just very like very winding and, and unexpected. Yeah. yeah, I think that piece is about stamina. I mean, he talks about the. The, the relationship between distance running and playing heavy metal guitar. And a lot of those things have to do with stamina. And I think if you do those things well, um, I don't do either of those things well, but I've heard told that um, if, you, if you do, you, you know, there's, there's the wall that you hit. And then if you break through that wall, it's like a whole another. And that's level. what we're hearing. I think that, that's what yeah. he's he's getting at. Because it's uh, such a great piece. I yeah, really it's, love it. yeah, it's a real odyssey. And it feels good in the in the moment too when we're playing it. I feel like we do. There are moments where we break through that wall too, mm-hmm. where, you know, it, it doesn't feel nearly as long when we're when we're inside of it. Yeah. Whenever we're playing it, I'm like, cool. This is like. I'm just so present because the demand is that I be present, that all of us yeah. be present, like yeah. at every moment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just you know, it's a different relationship to time in that way. Um, we've mentioned "Bang on a Can" a couple of times, and just for people who are listening who don't know, and I'm realizing I don't know how to describe what "Bang on a Can" is. "Bang on a Can" is one of the just most influential groups in American contemporary music, I would say, operating right now. And it was founded by three composers, Michael Gordon, Julie Wolfe, and David Lang, <coughs> back when they were in their, in their 20s. They were just getting out of school, so they founded it in the 80s. And it was basically uh, an idea that they were going to get their music performed. They were going to kind of develop a group of people that were going to play the kind of music they were writing, which was, you know, it's been given a lot of names, but it kind of comes out of the minimalist tradition. You know, mm-hmm. they're kind of often considered the generation after Glass and Reich. Um, and so they they kind of kept growing the organization, so they started the Bang on a Can All-Stars, which is a group that plays their music. They started the the festival at Mass Mocha, which is where we all met in mm-hmm. Beethoven. Um, they started uh, their own publishing company that publishes their music. They started Cantaloupe Music, which is the record label that Trios is on. So it's become this huge, multifaceted, Organization. It's just a really, really big, um, big name, big producer in music. And um, 
I don't know. I, I, I owe a lot to them personally. Beethoven owes a lot to them. I think we all kind mm-hmm. of wouldn't be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for their um, influences, artists, but also just people that will help you make stuff happen. Like they're so good about taking our generation mm-hmm. and kind of helping us along and get getting those those first couple of steps, you know. Yeah, just in, they're just an inspiring group of people. Yeah, uh, the co-directors that Carl mentioned and just the whole team that that they've assembled over the last 30 years. Where do we have the album? Where can we find you online? Etc. Go. <laughs> All right. Well, the record you can get on the Cantaloupe Music website. You can also find us on Bandcamp. You can find us on uh, uh, iTunes and just Beethoven online. www.beethoven.com we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I'll put links on the show notes at mikeypod.com. So if you're listening Great. to this somewhere else, you can just go there yeah. and find all these links. Cool. Uh, we're going to listen to one more piece, um, The Ringing World. I, I feel like I just wrapped up the show and like, but tell yeah. me about this. <laughs> yeah, this one is a real uh, smooth, uh, kind of intimate world. And... Uh, yeah, Adrian is a really close friend of us. Yeah. I mean, every Adrian Knight. <laughs> it turns out that like every single person on the record is like one of our close friends, yeah, which yeah, is kind of the that. point. Imagine uh, that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this is just um, a really beautiful piece of music, and uh, you know, just sink into it, I guess. Cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining me yeah, today, thanks guys. Thanks so much. Yeah.
from the album Trios that was Beethoven with The Ringing World. Thanks so much for joining me, Beethoven. Thank you for listening. If you would like to communicate with me, MikeyPod at gmail.com. I'd love a review or a five-star rating or anything. Check me out on, I said all this stuff in the beginning. If you want to know anything else about the podcast, go to MikeyPod.com. That's really it. Thanks for listening. Oh, heads up. Next weekend, I'm going to be running another race with the Strong Hearts Vegan Power running team. There will be no podcast. I always try to say, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. There's no time. So next week is going to be a week off from the podcast. I'll talk to you the week after that. I hope you have a great couple of weeks. Thanks again for listening. Tell a friend and goodbye.